Hello and welcome. <laughs> welcome to Hazardous Opinions, our first episode. Today, Today we're, we're doing, doing Hellblade. Oh, oh okay. Do you want to go first or Sorry. should I go first? No, you're good. Okay. Today we are doing Hellblade, Swinna's Sacrifice, a game developed by Ninja Theory. Uh, I think Ninja Theory is a pretty small, pretty small developer. I think there's only like 30 people in it. Yeah, from what I've seen in the different things and from their previous gameography, I suppose you'd say. They did the Devil May Cry games, but not all of them. And then they did uh, well, they a couple didn't... other smaller games. They didn't do uh, all the Devil May Cries. They actually did that one Devil May Cry, the D- DMC one, which is also it's like a it's like a remaster of the first one. It's actually not even a remaster. It's like a completely different like version of that one. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't haven't played Devil May Cry. Uh, they also did Bleeding Edge in 2020, which didn't last long on it xbox it did not it did not i i actually played that game and it had like a cool concept but it just yeah it i get what they're going for it was supposed to be like some overwatch type like hero shooter but instead of uh shooting it was slashing which is a really cool concept but it just didn't land right didn't get well received but not I think the servers were up for not that long either, but uh, yeah, that's Ninja Theory. Yeah, and they did a couple Disney Marvel games and then a couple older ones back in 07 and 10, but for the most part, they're pretty light developer and this is one of their biggest games. Oh, absolutely. There's a second one coming out too. Which at the end of this one, you know, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, a sequel hook there. So, yeah, much needed. And I'm very excited for it. And from the articles I've already seen, it looks like it's going to be a lot bigger. So looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. This game, this game was uh, it was pretty fun. Actually, at first, I kind of didn't like it because it was super confusing to me. So like before I understood like the concepts of what they went into about like psychosis or whatever, having it actually be explained to me with through the feature or whatever, I just didn't understand what was going on as me being a casual gamer. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? But, you know, after I actually understood what concepts they were trying to convey, I like appreciated the game a lot more. I think uh, the the combat was definitely a highlight for this one. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Yeah, it was it was so fun to be able to uh, you know do all the counters with the perfect blocking. I was perfect blocking like all the time. I'm like, oh, this is so good. That took me a while. I think it was not until my third major combat after the about second boss after Valraven. Yeah. Where I finally got the hang of it. I'm like, oh, there's a block button. 
there's a there's a focus button. button. Yeah, I think I played through about a third of the game before I realized that there was a focus. And yeah, I was just hindering my ability to play it for a while. Same, And I think that falls on their end there because there is zero tutorial in this game. They like you get thrown like the only way you figure out how to play is by pausing it and looking at the controls, which not what I did for pretty decent. Like after my first session, that's when I paused it. I'm like, oh, the controls are there. And that's when I looked through them. And that's why I figured out there was a uh, a melee button. Uh, it was B. I was playing it on Xbox. We were both playing it on Xbox. So you press oh, B like to... The, uh, the kick? The kick, yeah. Which definitely helped to uh, defeat those guys with the, the shields. And yeah, you were definitely playing on a handicap if you, you weren't kicking I know. those guys. Before I figured that out, the only way I was defeating them was by using focus. And I actually didn't know about focus until the first boss fight. So, yeah, the the controls on how to play the game wasn't thoroughly conveyed throughout the first part of the game, which probably would have helped my experience a little bit. That would probably have been one of my few complaints about this game, other than, you know, the whole story, which is... I don't know. What do you, what do you think of the stories like in general? Uh, I really enjoyed the story. I think I delved right into it. I'm a big fan of Norse and I didn't even realize also Celtic lore is included in this. Yeah. And the mental health aspects immediately got right to me. I understood it right from the beginning and I just, I loved it. I thought the lack of UI which is a constant through this game. There's no indicators. There's no uh, tutorials at all through the game. The only way that you really tell that you're dying or doing well is uh, a little bit of red on the screen. uh, And then some runes that pop up when you're hitting uh, your combo successfully. Also, whenever you, uh, it's, it's like when you, whenever you know you're about to die, you, you have to be knocked down at least like twice or three times. There's a few yep. different animations of when you get knocked down. I think uh, like the harder it is to get back up, that's when you know you're like really close to be dying. And then uh, I think the like the first time you go down, it's like easy to get back up, which is really nice. It feels like it adds like an intensity to this combat that I've never really seen before in a game. Yep. And they uh, they do great with that. They uh because once you're after your first time or your second time getting knocked down, uh, which I didn't even realize you could get up until halfway through the game. So I was just, <laughs> just like, die. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I accept my death. I'm dead. After you get knocked down, I believe it's for the second time. They take away your roll ability and it severely decreases the range that you can jump back as well. So they're almost yep. like not hindering you, but showing that you're exhausted. You're you're damaged. It's getting a little bit harder to fight the more that you get knocked down. Yeah. Which is like, which is really cool. Like it, it's, and then along with the voices in your head saying, get back up, you got this, keep going. It's like, you know, I, I might be crazy, but I am hella strong. I could do this, you know, crazy is also, you know, 
I mean that in a general sense. I don't want to be insensitive to anyone out there that is actually struggling with psychosis. I know that this game has made me way more empathetic to those suffering with that. And I don't want to discourage anything by saying, you know, she's crazy. Like she's actually really struggling and there's more will go on to that later, but just a disclaimer. I don't mean to be insensitive. Yeah. So with that, we can, uh, we can jump right into the start there. So Melina Jurgens, I hope I'm saying that right. I believe most of the studio is Irish UK, that area. Well, it's based out of Cambridge. So I would, I guess mostly UK. This is based okay. in UK. Yep, they seem like they mostly had British accents, but I thought maybe with the Celtic lore, there was some some Irish there. But yeah, Melina Jurgens is the voice actor for this, and this is her only credited role for anything really. She's a video editor for Ninja Theory, and she was taking place as the mocap person for a while, just so that they had a face to develop some things with, and then eventually she just. She just stuck with the role and she, she did became really great actor here. Yeah, the motion capture, the voice acting was just on par for this game. And they also uh, I noticed they uh, they saved a lot of money on models because all the other story characters in this game were actually real actors, like not 3D rendered at all. They were just kind of in there, which is, you know, it. it If you didn't, like, you can notice it, but it doesn't really take away from anything because they're just there. Yeah, I I noticed that right away that they were uh, live actors, uh, especially with Druth in some of the earlier cutscenes. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is just a just an actual person. It seemed a little cheesy at first, but I think I got into the story eventually with with those parts. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was super cool. So and they also they also got right into the um right into the brunt of it during the intro credits. So you start off you're in a log boat and you're sailing through the woods into a swampy area. And as the credits are playing, as you're hearing the voices in your head as you're sailing, some of the first two credits you see or for the mental health advisors and for the history advisors. Uh, and they talk about this a lot in some of the behind the scenes content as well, how much they relied heavily on their both historical and mental health professionals that they worked with. And that's just very important stuff. And they show you right out of the gate what they're going for in this game, historical accuracy and mental health awareness. Yeah. And that that's basically uh, what you get out of this too. It's more of an experience rather than to me, it felt more of like just like an experience that I'm glad I had, but not really a fun game to pick up and play it. Like it was more frustrating. Like the puzzles in this game were kind of frustrating, but other than that, I thought it was great. But the intro was also pretty, it was pretty long. I think that that river had to have been like a mile is what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, one nautical mile. One nautical mile. Is that longer than actual miles? Land miles? No, I believe I believe they're a little bit shorter. Okay. But yeah, so 
start us off here. So we're sailing on that boat as the narration plays. Uh, we're hearing both some of the voices inside our head and the whispers. And then we're also hearing the darkness in our head, which we come to find out later in the game is actually your father's voice. Uh, that's not revealed till almost to the end of the game. So was the was the darkness? I thought the I thought the deep voice that was in her head. I thought that was her father. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The the one that usually just says like darkness or shadow. Yeah. Is the, is the credits. Yep. That was her father. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't realize that till one of those final cutscenes where they actually showed her father, and then. I was like, oh, it's the same voice. And then he was standing next to her at one point in the in one of the cutscenes later that we'll get into. Okay. So that that was all credited at the beginning too? The different voice actors, I'm not exactly sure. I mostly oh. just pay attention to the uh to those first two things I mentioned. Oh, okay. Alright. Cause I didn't get I guess I didn't get a solid introduction of like who was what until like later on in the game when it was actually revealed but yep yep same for me so we dock on kind of a swampy area and start working our way through the woods uh we're just just walking through leisurely you're kind of learning the controls how to run how to walk just on your own and the voices are talking to you as you're going through the woods and then eventually they start to pick up uh the darkness starts to come in uh all the woods start to turn black and you have to start running so you just you run for a while as the darkness is picking up and eventually you come to a clearing where you make it out of the woods and you escaped the darkness. I assume or from my thoughts that that's her her dark thoughts coming in. Yeah, um, I she's think, trying to escape them. I think this is the like the first part because according to the story, she goes to village in was it the Northmen? The Northmen raided her village, right? Yes, correct. And so she's going back to her own village that was raided, right? Yes, uh, before this boat ride. But we don't find that out till later. Okay. That was before the boat ride. Yep. Right after her village was burned and she finds Dillian her beloved uh that's when she starts to go back onto this journey to go get him from the underworld oh okay from the norse underworld hell okay yeah so already from what she saw that triggered her trauma then she uh, went off the deep end and now she's actually dealing with the psychosis that came with that and that's when it kind of sets in uh, that tone whenever you get off the boat and start walking. Yeah. Yeah. She's having traumatic issues that we're seeing right away. But I think throughout the game, we find out that even before the destruction of her village by the Norsemen, she's been dealing with psychosis. Uh, it's been heavily implied that it's possibly schizophrenia. It's, it's a combination of different things. I think it's uh schizophrenia delusions. I think that's about it. Yeah, yeah, and you mostly you, you do get the delusions with schizophrenia as well. Um, oh, really? Sometimes auditory and sometimes visual. Oh, and that's part of the reason they consulted a lot with some of their mental health teams is to try and actually narrow down symptoms. What 
real people with schizophrenia feel, and they tried to make everything as accurate as possible while still being sensitive to the topic to bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. To not yeah. glamorize it or also shame it. Yeah, and the puzzles, they do make a lot of sense after realizing that too. Everything in this game is pretty intentional on symptoms of psychosis and mental health in general, stuff like that. But the puzzles is the main one where it kind of highlights that. Yeah, we'll get into a lot of puzzles and they they tend to get a little repetitive at times, but they deal a lot with perspective on how you view things. Yep. Seeing things in a certain way to make it her reality just different things like that. Uh, So as we get out of the forest, we come out of the woods right outside of Helheim, or we see at least the bridge to get to Helheim and then the city off in the distance. You also notice on our character, they don't ever really acknowledge a lot of the little details. It's up to you to, to realize these yourself. She has a circular rune on the right of her belt. And that's what we use to, to use our focus once that recharges up. It's not really explained. I assume it was some sort of Celtic rune that helps give her some powers of the gods, but it's not really discussed in the game at all. Super fun though. Yeah. It's so very great. When you use, when you use focus, time slows down and you're able to like do all sorts of combos. The enemies can't really deflect or anything it depends on the enemy i think there's one enemy that can actually deflect what you're throwing at him during focus i think it's like the berserker one he can move really fast some of those that move faster i think all their moves are just slowed down so the berserker still kind of moves at like a half speed type of thing yeah yeah that makes sense and um yeah uh yeah, like like you said on discovering when you could do certain things. I didn't know that you could use focus until the first boss fight. I don't I don't know if it was available to use before that, but that's when I discovered it cuz the voices were telling me to focus and I'm like, "What? How do I focus? I am focused. What am I going What am I doing?" <laughs> you know? So and then I just started pressing buttons until that happened i'm like oh that's how i do it because i think uh with uh Sochi, he, he turns on fire he's yeah. the fire god yeah and that brings up another good point the voices while through most of the game they're also trying to derail you until you incorrect things there is there's about three or four voices that you're hearing there is one or two that you'll occasionally hear they're trying to help you this helps a lot in combat when you're facing multiple attackers. Uh, you'll hear behind you or something like that. Right before oh, you yep. shot. Before you that should dodge or carry away. Yep. Uh, I use that one a lot. Or um, then just giving you hints to puzzles and stuff like that. And at a certain point, you almost start to tune out the voice. So you have to really uh, keep attention to it and hear what they're saying and pick out which lines are real and which ones are just trying to lead you astray yep because there's a lot of times they'll tell you to do something that's going to get you killed as well yeah i I can't really remember it if they do tell you things that'll get you killed it doesn't happen often 
maybe because I yep. kind of maybe that's when the point where I tune them out. But uh, yeah, they kind of have like all these narrations on different things that you're doing in the game. So that's when I kind of learned to tune them, tune them out because they're kind of just like saying like, oh, how is she doing this? How is she doing that? How is she going to do this? I'm like, I know what I'm about to do, you know, but it is they are a nice touch. I'm really glad they're there. They definitely uh, they definitely add to it. Yeah, it's like it's a way to give you some tutorials without holding your hand or putting prompts on the screen. And it's a real narrative reason for them to be there. Yeah, for your character. Absolutely. We'll also notice on the left side of our hip, uh, opposite from the rune, we have a head that's covered in cloth. For most of the game, you don't really know whose head it is. I was thinking some Clash on the Titans type of thing, like we're carrying I, a, I a seer no with us. I honestly thought it was a bag of money or something. <laughs> and then she, uh, Senua, talks to it occasionally and I think about a third throughout the story, it's kind of revealed that it's Dillion's head, but you don't really know until later. Dillion. Yeah. Sacrificed lover. Indeed. So this is getting into late game stuff, but for you to understand some of the story, we'll explain who Dillion is. So Dillion's her lover. Uh, So Senua has been very homebound by her father. Her mother died due to the darkness is what we're understanding to be probably her own mental illness that got passed down to Senua. Yep. But her father, probably due to the the shame of losing the mother and just kind of being an asshole throughout the story, uh, he keeps her very homebound throughout most of the game for the, the prequel. And eventually she does go out at some point and she met Dillian and he realizes how good of a fighter like, she is. A boy? You're <laughs> seeing a boy? Huh? I can't have this. You are mentally ill. You'll kill him. You'll kill everybody. That's basically what he says. He he basically reiterates the fact that, you know, just makes her feel worthless and something is terribly wrong with her. Everything is her fault. You know, it's just a very bad upbringing and it also adds to the amount of trauma she has right you know right up to the point where she gets set up to set off the edge by what happens to her lover yeah so yeah that's yeah what her father's telling her is yeah she doesn't need a boy just needs to stay at home or she'll get people killed because of her illness or she'll pass it on to other people so eventually senua and dillian start to be a thing. Uh, she likes him. She's trying to get out. He helps her with her mental illness. Uh, and he's a really good crutch for her to lean on. And he's really supportive of her. But at some point, oh, nice they have. have a falling out. <laughs> they have a falling out at some point, And she goes into the wilds or to the forest to to find herself, to get away after they had a fight. I believe it was caused by the death of Dillian's father. Some of the cutscenes are a little back and forth in the timeline. Yeah, that's. I'm, it, I'm just listening to you right now because you seem to be understanding them. That, like, the cutscenes were not translating well. I might be stupid. I probably am. But they just did not translate to me as well as you did, apparently. Yeah. 
they really they bounce back and forth in the timeline. And not only that, you'll see the same cutscene in multiple ways, revealing more information. So yeah, at one point, Dillian's father dies due to a plague. We don't ever really find out what the plague was, if it was just a sickness or something related to mental illness. It was, but Dillian's father dies, <laughs> and that's when they they seem to have the falling out. She goes into the wilds for a while. Eventually, she comes back. The whole village is burned down. Everyone's dead, and she walks through the end of the village to see Dillian, and he's been blood eagled by the Norse. Blood and if eagle. you don't know much, <laughs> if you don't know much about Norse mythology. I wouldn't suggest Googling Blood Eagle. It <laughs> Very brutal. is a kind of a sacrificial procedure of taking like the flaps of the back and pulling them open to be, you know, you it's look like, like an eagle at the end. Very, it's a, like a very hardcore metal crucifi- crucifixion. Yeah, it's, it's the way you do not want to die for sure. Yeah funny story about this uh i was trying to explain this game to uh one of my co-workers and i forgot what the what it was called i forgot it was called a blood eagle and i said it was called a spread eagle so yeah i'm like yeah she's going through the woods trying to find her lover that's been sacrificed through the spread eagle and then <laughs> I'm, I'm like oh shit that is not that is not what it's called that's actually like a sex position and uh yeah yeah so it probably doesn't sound as brutal as it did in my head that's probably why they gave me that weird look but yeah yeah dylan's just he's just chilling spread eagle open he's just ready for us (laughs) he's just he's chilling he's just ready but yeah she um so yeah not not good she adds to her trauma to no fault of her own but she does feel the guilt of the fact that she wasn't at the village when this happened that that was the uh, breaking point, apparently, because that's that's when the psychosis started. She might have been traumatized before, but now it's just that's it. All yeah, hell broke she, loose. Exactly. She had Dillian to rely on. He helped her with the mental illness. And now she's lost him. She kind of reversed back to her ways where she feels... Like she's listening to what her father says. As you see throughout the game, you'll hear more of the darkness talk to you than Dillian. Mm-hmm. She kind of falls back in her ways of listening to her father who kept her trapped for so long. Yeah. Uh, and... But that starts her on her journey where she heads to Helheim because she knows the Norse did this. So she's going to go to the Norse God to get Dillian's soul back. And which is why did she they... brings his head. Did they ever explain like how she found out that going to Helheim would bring him back? That was Druth. Yes. She runs that. into him in the wilds. That's right. And all of, all of those rune stones, which are the collectibles throughout the game that we find are Druth's stories yep. to us that we heard from him. Yeah. Which are very nice. Yeah. He's, he's the one that pretty much t- tells us all about the Norse lore and kind of sets us on our journey of who to go kill. Yeah, it's the kind of collectibles that I like. Uh, so you could just go up to these stones and focus on them, and then he'll start talking. 
And while he's talking, you could go around and do whatever you need to do. Usually they're like set in places where you're doing a puzzle anyways. So you find this collectible, you let him do it as you're doing the puzzle. It's nice. It's a nice, relaxing uh, little story bit he has to say. Yeah, it's all it's all real Norse lore, which is great because Norse lore is fucking awesome. Yeah. And they do these collectibles really well. They're not super hidden. They're almost always no, they, decently in the path of where you're going. Yeah, and especially the since... The audio uh, works great. The audio does work great. Yeah, I don't know. If, did you play this game with headphones on? Uh, I mixed back and forth. I'd say most of my sessions I did play headphones on because there's a lot of okay. audio that's a little hard to pick up with standard speakers. Yeah, that's probably how you were able to uh, hear so much about what the voices were saying because I was playing this just uh, just on my TV without any headphones. And, you know, they say at the beginning of the game, they say this is best with headphones because they have the binaural recording. So it's like actual like 3D audio coming from these voices. And I... Sadly, did not get to experience that, but I'm sure you have the pleasantry of hearing the voices as if they were right next to your ear. Yeah, they um they do a great job with the 3D audio there. This is definitely a must-have is headphones for this because anytime I just listen to it out of my general speakers, it just it doesn't work as well. And I'm also kind of harder hearing so i do subtitles so that might have helped on picking up some more stuff in the game yeah i also had subtitles but they don't voices don't really translate to subtitles all the time that's one thing no there there was quite a few i did notice that they would say something and their subtitle would be similar almost like it was translated yeah or then, like uh condensed into yeah, like a shorter sentence or something be missing a few words. Yep. Yeah. But for the most part, you, you get the gist of it, I guess, from the subtitles. But yeah. But yeah, the, the audio tracks all were great. Whenever you're listening to those rune stones, I think there was only one time where it was close to a cutscene or like a, a close to a part where Senua was talking and where she overlapped it and cut them off. Uh, but for the most part, every other rune stone in the game was spaced in a way where you could just focus on it and then walk away and listen to it while you're doing your puzzles. Yeah. That was just perfect. Some of them would like, I don't know if you ever had this problem, but like some of them I would activate and then I would just go too far away and then it would stop. So I kind of, you kind of have to be in a a general area, but the area is so wide that sometimes I get confused on like how I could, actually get that far away for it to stop maybe it just went too long but yeah but for the most part i'd say like 80 ish percent of them are just placed perfectly and you'll listen to them with no problems i just took the opportunity of while i was listening to them to take notes so i didn't risk going away from a couple of them yeah yeah, the audio and the stories from those are all really good yeah and they're they're all pretty much real I mean, they are real, real Norse uh, mythology, you know, little story bits. So you get to learn about 
Odin, Ragnarok, you know, the whole fam, Thor. Yeah. The whole the whole Norse fam. Nice little touch. Yeah, if you've uh if you've watched Thor Ragnarok, you'll uh you'll definitely recognize Surtur as we play here. Uh he'll be like our first boss sort of. There's kind of a choice in the beginning, but he's a little bit smaller than he is in the movie, but but he's there with his big fire sword and they talk about how Surtur is to assist with bringing Ragnarok upon Asgard and all the other realms. Was that explained before Surtur or after? I believe it was after it's in some of Druth's audio runestones. Okay. Or maybe it's during those areas. Yeah. I can't recall for certain. They, um, they kind of bounce back and forth between what stories Druth tells in those, whether they're relevant or not, or uh, a lot of times they do base around Ragnarok though. So yeah, to, to get back to the, yes. if you don't already know, to get back to the, the main story here. So we start to run along for a while as we're, we see Helheim in the distance. So we start to get closer to it. We find a big lock gate in a cave that we enter. Uh, we're working our way kind of along a shoreline to get down there. Um, that's when we start seeing Druth for the first time. Uh, he tells us how to open the gate. And this is kind of one of the only real tutorials, I guess, in the game. He tells us to focus on the gate and we see a rune there. Basically, this is one of the most common puzzles in the game where... You look at the gate, it's locked. It'll show you a, a rune on it. You focus on it to put that rune in your mind. And then you have to go find that shape somewhere else in the world, in the area. And then once you find it, it unlocks the gate. So these were pretty cool puzzles that kind of had to make you think. Like you see like little, like maybe the start of an M or something like that. And then you have to view it in a certain way to make it look like a full M. Yeah. Um, those ones are pretty good. It could get kind of confusing though, because these shapes can be made up of literally anything. It also depends on the certain angle you have to be to actually view the symbol. I guess my problem was not actually seeing it. So they could be made up of anything. It could be a structure, could be a, a shadow, a light cast, or just like rubble forming in a certain shape that when you look at it, it'll make that symbol. Yeah, the, these are the puzzles that frustrated me the most, honestly. <laughs> uh, I had such I... issues with finding them this first I one was a really couple easy, near but... the end but for the most part i think a lot of mine weren't too bad they do when you get in a lot of areas of these things you start to see red runes of the same thing floating in the air that kind of tells you you're in the vicinity of it yeah those help out a lot but yeah there was there was the one that the light casting that you're talking about yeah, one of the last chapters that I would look at it from eight different angles. I knew like I'm like, I see the letter on the wall, but it took me so long to actually get the right angle to figure it out. Yeah, 
getting the right angle is definitely the most frustrating part. You could be in the same area all day, but you have to get that just right perspective in order to see it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I had issues with. I was sometimes it would like, I would just quit. I'm like, okay, I'll play later and then I'll come back to it with a fresh mind then I'll probably get a little faster. But uh, like other than that, man, like honestly, not my favorite part of the game, these puzzles. But yeah, and they could be completely intentional with their difficulty due to the mental health aspect. But just from a gameplay perspective, they kind of lack a little bit. They take you out of the pacing when you're spending 20 minutes looking for a ruin. It really uh, does. It just kind of kills the story a little bit. It builds up this frustration that is really unneeded. <clears throat> I'm like, I can't see it, which I can understand. <laughs> well, they did make this point that this is where, you know, uh, people that have delusions, they will see things. They will see, look at anything and make a puzzle out of it. And then they'll stare at it for a while and try to figure out that there's something there, but they can't figure out what. So if you want to put yourself in that headspace, it makes sense on why they were kind of frustrating, right? So you want to know, like, if you wanted to understand the struggle that these people have of trying to find a puzzle in, you know, something that, or trying to make a formation out of something that's not really there, then yeah. I get it, but it's still like from a gameplay perspective, like not my favorite puzzle. Yeah, exactly. So, so we get through that gate after locking that first rune. There's a lot of beautiful landscapes when we get out here. We hear the voices talking in our head about Hela having, having the soul of Dillian down in hell. So we come up eventually after looping more of these landscapes to another large gate. And this is when the darkness creeps up on us again, like it did in the forest. Yeah. This is the part where uh, she like turns around and like looks at the camera as if like you were the darkness and started talking to what, like what I would assume be the player or I guess maybe they didn't want to actually like, put something in there for her to look at. So they're just like, yeah, we'll just turn her back at the screen and then have her talk to that. Talk to the darkness. I don't know that that part confused me. I don't know what you got out of that. Yeah. I, um, I think she was talking to us through a lot of points in the game. I think maybe we were just another voice rather than like a fourth wall break type of thing. Maybe, but this is, this is, the cutscene in the game. Probably the most beautiful rendered cutscene. And very emotional. Yeah. Very. We get to this gate and we're starting to beg the darkness for Dillian to come back. And this is where the darkness initially physically infects us. Uh, It goes into our arm we start to look like we rot away. Yeah. And it, it just goes like all the way up to our shoulder. Uh, and that's when the first combat starts. Well, it starts out at your elbow and then 
I died a lot. So by the end of the game, like, yeah, it went up to my shoulder and then some. But that's when they started to explain that uh, the more you die, the more the infection spreads. So the more you die, uh, she takes a look at her arm and it'll go up. And it just proceeds to go all the way up her arm. And then if it, they warn you that if it reaches her head, she will be completely consumed in darkness. And I don't know. I probably should have looked this up, but uh, I don't know what happens at that point. Does the game end uh, or it does say you lose your save file, but I think it's one of those things that's supposed to mess with you like everything else through the game. Uh, because my darkness ebbed and flowed. Sometimes it was below my elbow. Sometimes it was to my shoulder. Uh, but I don't think you really ever lose your save from what I've seen. I think it's, I think just, it's just like, supposed to mess with you. Yeah. It, I Well, whatever it is, like it definitely added to the intensity of each fight, not wanting to die. Because, yeah, it, even if it was a trick... Like, I feel like that's like a good way to add value to your dying in the game. So obviously when you, you know, get low on health on fights or whatever, it just makes it that more intense to actually take it seriously. Yeah, not only that, but it is a pain in the ass to redo an entire fight section. That is, that is no, true. no mid fight checkpoints. Some of them so you are die. really long. Yeah. So this is where these first, they're like seven foot tall men uh, with a deer skull on their head start to appear. You start to fight these guys and you're kind of just thrown into it to learn your, your attacks and stuff. Yeah. And they're just, they're just going to keep spawning till you die. Yeah, I think you're not, these you're not guys, meant to win this. Yeah, these guys are difficult in this part, but generally they are they're pretty easy. They're like the lowest tier enemies that you start off with. And yep. it, it does set the tone on like the difficulty. I think the difficulty was pretty well managed throughout the game. Honestly, I, I don't think there was like any huge spikes other than the ending, obviously. But uh, even then, it was, I think it was a little more forgiving. But yeah, these guys make up the both forces. I wasn't, I was under the impression that these guys are like Norsemen, like berserkers, right? Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. Because the berserkers are like a special unit, per se, with the, with the Northmen. They're just fucking huge. Yeah. So Unless they're all just generally tall, but I don't think that either. <laughs> yeah. So we're not supposed to win this section. It's kind of just letting you fight and learn the controls until you get your ass kicked, uh, which you eventually will. Yeah. The darkness will then completely overcome you in a really gruesome and heartfelt scene. And then you're lying on the ground and you just realize that it was just a just a vision of what's to come. And there's a couple of that. There's a couple scenes in the game where you'll play out something and it just turns out to be uh, like 
like not a prevision even, to yeah, what might come. Not even real. Yeah, that's yeah, that was another confusing part to me. I mean, like honestly, a lot of the things were pretty confusing to me, but these especially they honestly they conveyed a lot of emotion. That that part was great. I understood how she was feeling, but I just didn't understand like where we go, where we're going with this. Like that was the main thing is like, what, what is going on? How is this happening? Why is this happening? I think that's also like the point of it too. Uh, It's just like, you're not supposed to know. Because they really just just throw you into the deep. And the information really just just trickles in throughout the game. Yeah, and you don't really understand until the end. Yeah, and yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So after this, we're still we're alive. We're fine. The darkness still takes hold in our arm, and it's just I think a little bit past our wrist or something. It's pretty low on your arm, uh, but that'll stay with you through the game. And then we're at this gate. It requires two seals to open. And these are different than the runes. This is the only time the game really does this kind of thing. You have to go defeat two gods to open the door, which is Surtur and Valraven. So, So, yeah. And then there's two doors that go in different directions leading to each of the gods. I did I did the Suidor one first. Which I think is how you're supposed to do it. Because I did Valraven and kicked my ass. And Surtur was so there, much easier. Yeah, that was definitely the easier one uh, out of the two. Uh, so uh, Surtur has like this big fire sword that he ha- he's very slow and has very slow attacks pretty easy to dodge and dodge and weave attack all that shit until until you get to a point where he's just completely on fire i couldn't figure out a way to uh defeat him other than using focus i believe that was the intention they wanted us to I focus think, to take out the fire okay maybe that was like the implied uh tutorial at that point because they, I literally had no idea that I had focus until that point. I was just literally failing. I think I failed like twice. I died twice trying to do it other than the third time. That's when I used the focus, <laughs> and that's when I was able to kill him. So Sir is the god that is supposed to bring about Ragnarok. Thus the fire. So we go, th- so we go through his gate... Uh, and then we get introduced to a new enemy there. This guy is the one with the uh, the helmet, like the conquistador looking helmet, and he's got a big spiked mace. Oh, yep. So these guys just hit a little harder, and they take a few more hits to go down. But they're pretty similar a to lot. the first enemy. No, man, they take a lot of hits. Don't even hold me, man. They <laughs> they're tough. Of the, with the amount of hits you have to give to them, but I mean, if you could use focus to wear them down a little bit, it makes it easier. But I mean, I 
that's what I'm saying. Like to say it takes a few more hits is kind of an understatement because I was just sitting there wailing on these dudes <laughs> all day and they weren't going down. I mean, they're huge. They're taller than the average enemy. I think they're like 10 feet tall, honestly. Yeah, they're big boys. <clears throat> but and they're, they're, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we introduced them, and then some of them have shields. It's the same same enemy, except they just have a shield on one arm. Uh, these guys are absolute pain in the ass. They are. the most disliked enemy in the game. Yeah. they take so long to take down, as well as blocking half your hits. Imagine not knowing that you can melee and fighting these guys. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the intended the way yes. to defeat them. Yeah, kicking them. Imagine not knowing the intended way to defeat them and just sitting there trying to bust through their shield. I'm like, I can break their shield. <laughs> I can do it. I initially thought that working. too. I thought I thought I was taking chips out of it, but I don't think you can actually break the shield. No. Yeah, the kick uh, would have been a lot. Would have helped out a lot if I knew that. Uh, but yeah. yep, yep. So we're going through through Surter's gate here. He has fire puzzles, so you have to. His are just very simple. I would say they're not even puzzles. You're kind of just finding these little stones with Surter's mark on it. And you're focusing on them, and it's bringing you to an area that's just covered in fire, and you just have to make your way out of the fire before you asphyxiate and die, and then get to the gate to get out. Pretty easy. Yeah, that part was really easy. So you do that for a couple times. I think there's about three or so puzzles like that until you get to to Surter himself. Rule uh, of threes. The, yes. They, the they really love the giant. rule of threes in this. They do. He's the fire giant um, slash like guardian of Muspel, which is the realm of like the, the fire giants and stuff like that. So he should have been the first boss. I obviously went to Valraven first, but... This isn't yeah. too bad of a battle. It's as long as you know how to use your focus and your dodge to get away from his big fire sword. You're pretty easy. Just keep wailing on the guy until he's down. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, just use your use your intuition. It he just takes a lot of hits. That's how most of the bosses are in this game. They just take a lot of hits. There's not really any like special way to fight them. I think Val Raven has a bit more technicality to him than uh, than Sudir, but yeah, he's he's pretty simple. Yeah. So next we we head back. The world after we defeat Surtur kind of looks brighter as we're heading back. I think they do this to add more realism, so there's not just like a like a gate at the end to open to bring you back to the original area yeah they want you to backtrack to to where you were which does it yeah does that, add a lot of time to the game but i do understand does. where they're coming from yeah to not back like and forth. the realism yeah so now we go into val raven's gate which i made the mistake of doing first he's got some pretty complicated puzzles and this is where i got stuck for a long he time. does yes and so with these puzzles they are a little more complicated because it's not just like going to find a stone and 
going back like suit ears. But in this one, yep. you have to find you have to f- like kind of like the perspective puzzles that you're doing before, but you have to find these. I they're ravens, like right? Gates. Yeah, you find these gates. You find to the look gates. Through. Yeah, you have to find the gates, and you have to find like two pairs of ravens that form a circle onto the gate. So it's another perspective thing, but you have to like get to a perspective where it lines up with the door also in order to open it up. Along with that, there's a lot of uh, like perspective shifting gates, I suppose they're called like let's so like things will be there. And then you go through this, this, uh, hutch or whatever and they're there i don't know how to describe yeah. these things these things were a pain in the ass for me because sometimes the changes would be so subtle when you look through the gate that i don't yeah. know if i did it right or not and so i would look around for a while and be like well i can't find the way to continue so i go look through it again and i was like oh it just didn't like it didn't change when i went through the first very- time they're very subtle changes very and you have to yeah. look really hard in order to see what was there that wasn't before. Sometimes it's a gate yeah. that's open. Sometimes it's a bridge that's there, you know, like it's, it could be anything. And that, I think that's what adds the difficulty of it because you don't know exactly what you're looking for through that gate. Sometimes it was something that's there that's blocking your way and you look through that and then it's not there. So it also yep. ties was, into like other puzzles too. I I'm not sure if there was a way. Maybe I just missed it to like tell which ones I've activated because eventually you get to uh, you get through a couple of these puzzles and you get through to this big area. There's a there's a huge gate and there's two versions of Valraven. So Valraven is like the god of I assume of just illusion. I think is what they were implying. Throughout this whole section, you'll hear his his guttural hymn mm-hmm. in like a really creepy song, and he like appears everywhere. And when you try and go to approach him to fight him, it's always just a statue or something or a set of sticks. And, um, so you're in this final area, and you see two of him, and you have to go confirm that both aren't actually him. Uh, and you're using these gates to try and make a path by revealing like something that wasn't there. And then, as well as all of that stuff, you're trying to get to a viewpoint to see these ravens to open the gate. So it's just yeah. it's a lot of puzzles all at once, and you lose track quickly of what gates you've looked through, what gates you haven't, because there's about five or six gates in this area. So you kind of forget what has been opened already. So that threw me off for a while. Yeah, in this area, it was a lot of just running around, just testing things to see what worked and what didn't. Which what I is what I like to do sometimes, but you know, I, it, it was got to a point where I'm like, okay, let's just get on with it. What do I got to do? You know, if if you know, telling me what to do would be ruin the whole point of the puzzle. But then again, like this is just a lot at once. Yeah, it's they really throw you into it, and again, not to reiterate my mistake, but getting thrown into this one and having the choice to choose Surtur or Valraven, I think really fucked me because I didn't get that introduction into puzzles or combat. It's just, just right into all this shit. Just figure and, it out. Yeah. 
So this one took me a long while. I think I spent 20 minutes and I like came back to this multiple times on different days. And eventually I found a gate that I hadn't looked through before uh, that I thought I did. And that was the reason I was stuck. Man, it's always the worst, isn't it? Yeah. Knowing you could have done something before, but you just missed it. You just glanced over it. The uh, to backtrack a little bit, I wanted to mention Val Raven's first appearance. So you're going through like these these woods, and you start to get introduced to Val Raven's song playing in the background. It's very creepy. Very creepy. And I was like, this is starting to border in horror territory. You get to this one little yeah. clearing where you see him for the first time, and you start to approach him, and that's when he disappears, and then. I believe some enemies appear behind you instead. And this whole area was just, just creep fest to me. Yeah. Just, I loved it. It was, it was great. Other than the puzzles, very dark tone at this point. Uh, it was, it was so good. I am a huge fan of horror games, but, uh, although I didn't really feel like super scared through this, I was just kind of creeped out. Like Val Raven just like is so brooding and intimidating looking this is very creepy he looks like a he has his giant beak and he's covered in like all these distorted feathers and he's got really thin legs and uh you know, yeah he's just ugh. just Gross. a big bird man grody yeah, yeah he's big bird man super not cool. big bird not that one <laughs> no maybe maybe if big bird uh made illusions of himself and Maybe tried to murder you. But. Big Bird was homeless for 20 <laughs> years and never took care of his feathers and dyed them black and became a serial killer after that. Maybe that's close to what Val Raven looks like. <laughs> yeah, but, this uh, is just super creepy area. Yeah. So you finally get to that final gate that we're talking about. Difficult puzzles. You get through it. Val Raven gives us a bit of a spook. So we get to this big auditorium looking thing and you're like, okay, it's boss battle time. So right. you do a couple more puzzles in here and then you see Val Raven. You go to approach him and it just turns back into one of his other spooks again, his little, mm-hmm. uh, his little tree things. And then they look like little scarecrows. It, yeah. And as we're approaching it, we kind of go into a cutscene, and Val Raven himself appears behind us and kind of fucks us up because he gets to jump us, jump on us. Um, this, this scene really creeped me out like this. Yeah, that. Ugh. Yeah, it just it jumps definitely more into the creep factor with Val Raven uh, not knowing what's real. Uh, and I kind of wish they played more with this horror aspect. They they do in a couple other areas, but this this area was just one of the best in the game for for the creep factor alone. And so yeah, we we kind of jump into a boss fight after this cutscene. Uh, we start to fight Val Raven, who, if I knew I had focus, would have been a lot easier. But he's kind of a pain in the ass to fight. He'll uh, like dive at you. He'll hit you. He'll take some damage from you and then he'll try and teleport away for a little bit and send some of his, his goons after you, any of the other enemies you faced to this point. Yeah. He's definitely uh, a lot more tougher than, uh, than Suidir. 
but yeah. I think I think uh, you know after you get his uh, attack patterns down, just like any other boss. But once you get it down, he's not bad. One big thing that I noticed with him, like, have you deflected his uh, like shurikens or whatever he throws at you? I was gonna say I did have a tough time dodging those. I tried to roll, and then every time the second one would still hit me. Uh, I didn't try to deflect yeah. them though. You can deflect them, and it'll go straight back at him. Okay, so when that, you do that, that help too. yeah, he'll get injured there for a little bit. So he's like kind of stunned for a few seconds, so you can go in and uh, do do some damage, which helped out a lot. But when he does the two, when he shoots the two out, that's you got to dodge those. You can't. Hell no. (laughs) Yeah, I had trouble. I just like I couldn't time it right where I'd roll too early and I'd dodge the first one. And then as I get back up from the roll, the second one hits me in the back of the head. Yep. And then I get stunned and he can whack me. And I died quite a few times in this section just due to learning the control still since it was only like my third combat encounter. And it was a little annoying because you would go back to the very start of the whole battle. Uh, Valraven yep. has about three sections here. You know, rule of three. Yeah, three phases. Uh, yep. So you fight him, fight goons, fight him, fight goons, fight him, win. Yeah, he is. It he's pretty tough. does play a lot better than that in the actual gameplay. But it, yeah. So once you get, once yeah. you get the controls down, it's 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 a lot easier. Just the learning curve is a bit steep at the start. Honestly, I wasn't too confident with the controls or controlling my character until damn near the end of the game. It was just yeah, it was a learning curve for me. Uh, the combat was pretty intuitive. I mean, if you, there's like different levels, I, I want to say there's like a basic level of understanding, which is just being able to block, being able to attack. And then there's like, you know, and it kind of goes into it. It like kind of subtly teaches you different aspects and like how to do combat throughout the game. Like, like, for instance, knowing that you could kick for those shield guys the shield guys yep yeah the shield guys also helped out a lot with other archetypes too and pretty much by the end of the game like you're pretty much mastered on all the combat because it's just combat and puzzles the basic uh survival horror game yeah so after we defeat valraven it's similar to surter where the world gets all sunny and nice uh, where before it was dark and gloomy. You start heading back. You backtrack through the whole area that you came through to get here. Uh, you get back to the gate where you finally have both seals from Surtur and Valraven to open the gate. Uh, and then you have... Sorry. Uh, this is where I got introduced to the what do you call him? The guy with the helmet and the mace uh, is after defeating Valraven because then I went to Surtur. Oh, yep. Yeah. And then I was back. So I think it's after your first first god that you kill. Yeah, it's another general enemy they'll throw at you throughout the game. Yep. So yeah, you're back to the main gate there, which you can now unlock 
and this is the bridge to Helheim itself. The game does move pretty quick. You're like, wow, I'm already at Helheim. That was a quick journey. Right. It's not a very long game. I think Helheim itself was what takes most of the game. So I think uh, it only escalates from here. Yep. Yep. So we, uh, so we, uh, we go back into a cutscene before we even get to walk across the bridge. Uh, and this is when we go back to that cutscene where we were in our village and it was burning. And then that's when we seen Dillian. Uh, so it's kind of feeding this the information throughout the game. <clears throat> so then this is supposed to kind of spark you into some motivation. Oh, Dillian was murdered. Well, now I have a whole bunch of rage and feelings about this. And so now they're like, okay, now go across this bridge. And we're about to introduce a whole lot of enemies to try and kill you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that was a long fight uh, going across the bridge. But like, that was like, like what you said, it it had a whole lot of inspiration behind it because like I was determined. I was sprinting at all the enemies, you know, killing them all. It was, it was a lot of fun. I think that's when like when Suen is like determined to get through all this is when I actually feel like I play better because like I get so much more aggressive style play because at first like they came up and they're just towering over me. I'm like, oh, shit, these guys are going to be tough to kill. But like after killing a few of them, I felt like uh, they got like, you know, they they felt smaller. Like, oh, I can actually kill these guys pretty efficiently. So (laughs) this adds a little fire behind it. Yeah. And I think the more that Senua gets into it as well, it almost feels like the combat flows smoother some of these areas feel like they get easier i don't know if it's just the more experience with the fighting combat or if it actually just gets a little easier in some of these some of these moments <clears throat> yeah i'm not sure but it did feel like that because i remember uh at the end it was very forgiving with the, the combat yeah, for sure it gets i think it did because i even I was counting a lot of the hits it took for certain people. And I think those in that last section, the, uh, the lowest level guys was only a one hit kill. Yeah. So like less hits to kill you, like you recover a lot faster from getting let down. So like, I guess, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, the game, the combat is a part of like the story in a sense. So yeah, it's very narrative based and, the motion changes how it plays. Yeah. And uh, that I think that's really cool. There's nothing that really kills your vibe more than uh, just dying as soon as you get super inspired to do all this crazy shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, definitely a good choice on Ninja Theory's end. So we're fighting our way across this bridge. Um, you're just facing all the goons that you've you've seen to date. And once we get to the far side, this is kind of like the middle area of the bridge. Usually there's like a tower in the middle. We open the gate and then we immediately get ambushed by a new enemy. So this is the big Resident Evil looking motherfucker. He's got this big potato sack over his head and he's got a really large axe. He looks like the guy from the the Resident Evil movies with the 
Big axe. Oh, you know what? That was okay. All right. I want to clarify. I thought that was the guy (laughs) we were talking about with the mace. Now, now it's making sense. Now the mace guys are kind of the same guys with the shield, but they just don't have a shield. But this is the big guy I was talking about that takes so many hits to kill. This one takes a lot. Yeah. He's, he's a big guy. You really have to watch his swings because he has a large radius. You have to really just get behind him. He's very slow. A lot just of dodging him in the back. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's not too difficult of an enemy unless he's mixed with other people, and then it starts to get to a pain to dodge him, oh, dodge man. everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> it, and it they gets like to do that too. They like people. to throw all of them at you at once, yeah. and it's mainly uh, like. What I found is just like classic, the same way I would play like Witcher 3 is just keep everybody in front of you and I think you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, if you can, if you can group everyone in front of you and try to even hit multiple people with one swing, uh, you'll, you'll do fine. And that's also uh, what I like. Just don't let people get behind you. Don't get cornered. Yeah, they, they also had the whole thing with, the swings being like super wide with uh, Senua. So uh, if there is two enemies in front of you, they'll both get hit just by just a light attack. I think the heavy attacks, they go like up and down. So they They wouldn't do a swipe attack. Yeah. It's it's a one person, but it does like a couple times the damage. And I kind of stuck with heavy attacks throughout most of the game just because I would, I'd try and stun people, try and kick them or focus and then I'll just wail on them with heavy attacks. Yeah. And uh, I saved light attacks for some of those big bosses when I didn't even have the time to do a full swing for the big attack. Yeah. That that makes sense too. The heavy attacks are definitely worth it if you have time to do them. They also, I mean, they take, you know, a little bit more time to execute, which also you got to yep. take into account. But uh, also... I don't know if you ever noticed this, but there is actual combos that you could do. I seen the runes pop up on the screen, but I, I don't think I've ever mastered it. Well, I, f- I figured out a little bit of it. So there's like different combos depending on, you know, when you press heavy attack and light attacks throughout your combination. So let's say you do two light attacks two swipes and then you press heavy attack to do heavy attack so when you do that uh i think she turns around and like stabs them and then i think that goes into a different branch of like different uh attacks that you can do so once you do that you can finish it off with a bunch of light attacks or you can do some more heavy attacks and do some massive damage so like comboing them together honestly is like so cool like it adds to the whole like combat like what i said before like the the combat is really a highlight of this game like i love it so much yeah the combat is just stellar here it's it's innovative and i haven't played devil may cry i don't know if it's is it anything similar from that or is this something that they're going into new ground here it is kind of but I mean, Devil May Cry is definitely a lot more arcadey and vertical. A lot of okay. jumping and all that. 
too. So I guess if it's a more so grounded version of here. kind of DMC, it's not as extensive as DMC. I want to say that because uh, they like the combos that you could do in that are way more extensive because that's that's mainly what the game is, is combos and how well you can string them together and stuff. Not as cool as that yeah. game, but, you know, for what it is, for what it is, like, it's great. I love it. Okay, so after we defeat the big dude with the uh, axe, Mr. Resident Evil dude. Yeah. And all of his goonies that attack at once. Uh, we get back to that door. Uh, there's a door on the opposite side that we came in, and that's got a bunch of runes on it. Uh, so we got another rune puzzle to go around the room and solve more runes man these <laughs> ones are actually a lot more easier though i enjoyed these because they all take place right in the middle there right and yeah this so, is the one where it's all i think they all relate to the same thing yeah like it's all the same piece of wood so that part is really different nice. directions as long as you just uh you're able to figure out the the route you need to take to get all of them yep it almost looks like a almost looks like a bell tower type of thing like it goes straight up and you just work your way around doing the puzzles viewing it from different directions it is is yeah i like that that was pretty easy for me and kept it pretty smooth contrary to the puzzles before this uh, i think the like this is the point where the puzzles start to make more sense onto how to find them and then I think yeah. uh, it goes smoothly from now on. Yep, yep. So we um, so we get our three runes, we open the gate, and it's the other half of the bridge. So we, we make our way down the bridge. I don't think we had to fight anyone else on this part. I think we just make our way down the bridge, and then there's, of course, another gate at the end. This game really loves gates. Yep. And then at that point, before we even get to the gate, is when Hella bursts through. We try to fight her a little bit, but she immediately kicks our ass, of yeah. course. Well, we and... didn't even get to fight her. Like, uh, there was a bunch of, like, you were running at her, and there was a bunch of enemies coming at you. And oh, at this yep. point, uh, Suena was super... She's like super eager to take her down. She's like, I have a sword that can kill gods. And I was like, oh, <laughs> hell yeah. So you're just fighting through all these enemies and well, going to go not get this her. part yet. Oh, we're, oh, we get the sword later. Oh, fuck. Okay. First time you see uh, Hella. All right. Yes. Yes. This is when we still have our basic sword. And then um, she pretty much destroys the bridge, kicks our ass off. We land in the water, and then that's when we see our swords broken. Yeah, and that's sword when we have breaks. to go get the new, the new god sword, god yeah. killing sword. And that's also when that uh, little sequence is where uh, her father's voice, the darkness, uh, was talking to in her ear, and it gets kind of uh, harrowing at this point because uh, you find out she's looking to her mirror and she's like speaking like through that voice into that mirror. And I yeah. thought that was like, it was just saying how she was a piece of shit and like, she's not going to be able to do it. You know, she's thinking like, 
you know, it was, it was really, uh, saddening, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, it's well made. She's like speaking to herself through her father's voice. Yeah. Like telling her she's bad. Yeah. And like, at that point it made you believe that like, you know, she believes that about herself and that's like why she's saying it into the mirror. That's the vibe I got anyways. And like, you know, it, it kind of, uh, if, you know, if anybody who yep. struggles with depression, you know, and have somebody in their life that says things like that, it really hits home at that, in that scene. Exactly. And so we're sitting here kind of at the base of the bridge. We're not even far from where we got kicked off. Um, but we have a little campfire here. We're trying to rest a little bit after getting our asses kicked. Uh, Sydney has a large scar on the side of her head that she received from getting knocked off. So she takes what's left of her blade. It's just a little bit of the hilt left. And we kind of <laughs> put the blade in the fire. And uh, yeah, you, you nope. understand what was going on. Like, but like at this point, like you don't know what she's about to do with it because like after saying all that in the mirror, I'm like, Oh shit. Oh shit. She's going to kill herself. I'm like, Oh God, I was freaking out, man. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, but it was actually cauterization. I don't know what I, yeah. I would think otherwise because she was heating up the blade. I don't know, but yeah, it, it made sense. A wave of relief after the cauterization, even though it looked like it hurt really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, she, she was screaming a little bit more, yeah. uh, more pros towards the um, the voice actor Melina for just an awesome performance all around in this game. Really the well range portrayed. Motion. Yeah. So yeah, we we kind of discard the sword after because it's just a little bit of a hilt and like a partial blade. Yep. Not really useful. <clears throat> so that's where the voices are taunting us there for a little bit. We pass out after the cauterization and then we wake up when we start to hear Dillian's voice calling out to us and we kind of see him as like, like a ball of light sort of thing. And sometimes as a human shaped ball of light. (laughs) Yeah. And he tells us to follow him sort of thing. So we finally get up from the fire. We, we start to, to track him down and this is when we're in the ship graveyard. Yeah, we're kind of just just making our way through there. Yeah, Uh, this this turned into like a walking sim. There's not much that goes on at this part. Uh, It was mainly just going around and following the the human shaped ball of light, so to speak. Uh, Yeah, through the whole graveyard, and uh, I think eventually leads her to the tree. Yeah, we um, it is like you said. So walking simulator for quite a while here. We're just following Dillian. Um, he's talking to us, and we're just walking through the shipyard. Some beautiful areas, and then eventually we see him at the tree. And then, once we get there to the tree where this ball of light is, is when we get transported back into like a 
like a pre-cut scene of this same area because this yep. is the tree where we met Dillian at. Yeah. So after this very cute scene, uh, it's very of, cute. Of us being super shy because uh, obviously we've been Senua has been trapped in her home for most of her life, um, very secluded from everyone. But she obviously likes this boy. She's been watching him for a while, and he seems to like her. It's kind of their intro to kick, kick kicking off their relationship, and everything's just super happy. The everything's sunny and flowers, and yeah, it was great. Very. We pleasant. get transported back to the exact opposite. The tree is on fire. <laughs> Our shadows taunting us and everything's black around us. The whole world just looks burnt and dead. Yeah, it, it pulled. It was very, very stark. abrupt pull from the pleasant flowers and trees and sunlight. Sunlight is not much as what you see in this game. Nope. You only really see it in the pre um, flashback cutscenes. Yeah, exactly. So we see the tree now as it is in our current reality and we approach it trying to remove what's it called grammar g-r-a-m-r the the god killing sword i'm not exactly ah, sure yeah. how to pronounce I that think, i think that's what it's called the grammar yeah okay and then we we try to pull it out because it's like the ball of light went into there and we find out that the sword's not actually like there it's in shards and we have to go find all of the pieces to put it back together. Yep. And so then there's, there's um, four pieces. So is there four pieces? I thought there was three. No, there, there was actually four pieces, which threw me off. Cause I was like, Oh, they actually, they broke up the rule of three there. Yeah. Okay. I thought there was, Hmm. I think yep. I saw so, three at first. I'm like, okay, there's three. And then there was all of a sudden a fourth <laughs> one after I completed the third one. I'm like, okay, this yep. is different. So there's four rune stones around the tree that you, you pretty much just focus on them and it'll teleport you to an area. This, I think, is the one and only time that there's like teleportation type of thing where it takes us to a different land. Yeah. And each. Each of the four is like a different, unique type of puzzle. So I went to the first one that was closest to me first, just to do them in like order of distance. I think that's exactly what I did too. And that's the labyrinth shard is the first one is where we go into this uh, cave. It's super dark. So we grab this torch on the entrance and there's kind of just two paths and we just having to keep keep choosing one of two paths to make our yeah. way out and this part was really interesting because uh each time you hit one of those crossroads of the two paths it looks exactly the same so it looks like you're going in circles yep. uh depending on which path you take i can't really know if you're actually going the right way each time you pick a path because it always seems like you, it just takes you around in circles for a little bit before it actually lets you progress. Yeah, what I learned, I don't know if this is the right way to solve it, is I was lighting the torch in the middle of the two paths. Yeah. And sometimes you would see it reflect in one of the other paths. So you knew that that path to the left where the torch lit up 
was actually just a reflection of this path. So then I took the the dark path to the right because that means I hadn't been there before. Is that what you did? Yeah, and I, I seem like I found my way out after only like like four or five sets of those. So I, I felt you like that was the right the choice. Right way. I I kind of I did the same thing. I lit the the sconce the sconce. You yep. every time I went into a room. But I kind of just picked randomly which way I should go. I probably spent more time there than I probably should have. But uh, yeah, I made my way out eventually. I mean, it's like not really a puzzle that's like mind boggling. I think it's just kind of like a trip. Yeah, it doesn't require a whole lot of thought to get through this one. But you finally you do find the final path and you come up to this big red gate uh, or it's like a like a big wooden gate and there's a big emanating red glow from behind it. So as soon as we open this gate, we go into another flashback to where we're talking to our father. And this is kind of where we find out that he kept her inside for most of her life, tried to keep her trapped, said he knows what's best for her. You, yeah. He kind of, he, he abuses her throughout her life, both emotionally and he's, as you see in this cutscene, physically as well. He slaps yep. her. Yeah, he's kind of a piece of shit. He's, yep. uh, yeah. he, he thinks he knows person. what he's doing, but he doesn't. And he just, he, like, back in the time where nobody knew much about anything about, uh, mental health, uh, he condemned her as cursed. So in order to protect yep. everyone else in the village, he kept her hidden away and basically thought of her as less than because, you know, she was cursed, which wasn't actually the case, but you know, it was a different time. Yeah. She, he specifically says that, that she has a plague and that he'll make anyone near her suffer which I think is where it got confusing to me, the usage of um, plague, because when uh, Dillian's father died, I didn't know exactly what the representation meant, if it was an actual uh, epidemic plague or if somehow her mental illness was a cause of his death. Maybe. I don't know. But with her, with her mother it. also being uh, so-called cursed uh, makes yep. me believe that it could have been could have been genetic it could have been you know a combination of traumas just that you know that she picked up on i don't know but yeah ninja theory had a whole team of mental health specialists to help out with this game so whatever they did or whatever they did to tell the story it was definitely intentional yeah the exact reason i don't know yeah, so we don't actually grab any of these sword shards. We kind of we just see the cutscene at the end of each of these puzzles, and then we're transported back to the tree area, and then we're just implied to have gotten that piece. So then we can go to the next runestone. Uh, this next one for me was the swamp area, and I yep. think this one was also pretty easy. It was just a couple uh, perspective things. Yeah. That's pretty much all it was. Uh, there was some combat sprinkled out throughout there too, but really it was mostly just uh, puzzle based. Well, actually, there wasn't any combat any through any of these shards, was there? 
because it was just we didn't even have a sword so no yeah we didn't have a sword at this point so it's it's a it's like a whole chunk of the game without combat which felt really nice actually it, uh, yeah. it was a good break uh, even though we there wasn't too much combat beforehand but it almost got you ready for combat again after like you're just you're ready to get back into it yeah it was uh it was a good break and um yeah it just seemed like a lot of busy work after probably the third or fourth one because like you're just ready to keep going but i mean they're all they all had things that made them interesting which i really liked they weren't like the same thing it was like shuttle runs back and forth they all had some uniqueness to them yeah just at the end of this at the end of this glyph we get that that sword piece again uh we get another cutscene. this time discussing between dillian and senua they're talking about the plague around the town and how people were blaming senua for it so that's where it could be mental illness uh, and not be. an actual epidemic. Yeah, but yeah, we go back no, to our hub area. There was nothing. There was nothing too special about the swamp area. One that I can recall. Third rune no. stone was well. Okay, so that was the. F- I remember the swamp area was the first to introduce the like the blending of like all the puzzles with the perspectives and stuff. Okay. There was a lot of uh, those little gates that made things oh, disappear yes. there. Yeah, yeah. They had gates. They had the uh, the ones where you had to look at them specifically to form the bridge. Yeah, they had a couple different perspective puzzles that mixed them all together. Yeah. That could happen beforehand, too. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's yeah, not I really just much remember to remember that. from that level. It was, it was all right. So this third runestone takes us to a small island where we do some more perspective puzzles. And this is a new type of puzzle. We're like, we're on a pier. And this is where we go to that uh, that metal circle that was like you push a bridge down and then go to that metal circle. And there's a little face, like a little mask that you look through. And then it transports you. Oh, yep to pre-destruction of the world uh, where everything looked green and stuff. And so this opens up some new areas to you and then you can switch back and forth between destruction, like pre-world and current to, uh, to, to solve different puzzles. Well, it was more mostly of a, it was, it wasn't exactly to solve the puzzles. I think it was more uh, directed towards the traversal of the world because um yep. like there would be certain things that would be blocked off in the destroyed world that you could get to in the in the what what yeah, was I agree it with you like the that. destroyed like it, world like they allowed you to get through gates that were collapsed uh in the current world or yeah stuff like that bridges that weren't there or but yeah they they bring you up to like like a sort of castle after you do a couple of these um, you finally make your way into the castle. And this is the perspective puzzle that I struggled a lot with. I did too. Where there's the light shining in from the window and you had to view it so perfectly. And that one just it took me a while. Yeah. It was the light cast from the window 
And I was so confused on how to do this because I was looking for a certain structure, but it yeah, was actually yeah, I was looking at the, either the that window itself. or it was a shadow, but it was a light cast that was on the floor. I'm like, what? I, yeah, it, it's always one of those things is like you spend so much time looking for other things and it ends up being not anything that you've looked at before. And it's like, it's just this. How did you miss this? It's like, man, come on. <laughs> I, have to, I have to take into account when you do these puzzles, you have to take into account anything possible. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and it definitely all leads back into the mental illness too. Like they discuss in the, the behind the scenes kind of content where those that suffer from schizophrenia kind of really see these patterns in things that aren't there or just see these connections that people wouldn't normally make. Yeah. So you really just have to keep your eyes open and keep your mind open essentially for any type of puzzle that it may be. Yeah, it definitely requires an open mind and uh, this game definitely veers off the beaten path of what makes a game a game, I guess. That's why I described it more of an experience than, you know, a fun game to play. You know, like if it was a movie for a good time. (laughs) Yeah, it's not it's not for a good time. It's mainly to convey a message, which I thoroughly understood by the end of it. And it's. Yeah, it, it's not something I would want to play again, but like I, I appreciate, I appreciate it for what it is. Something like a movie, you know, when you watch a movie that is meant to bring awareness to something or uh, convey a certain message. It's like, yeah, it was maybe it wasn't the greatest movie, but I appreciate the message it gave me. In this game, honestly, covers like it's probably the only medium to convey this message rather than like a movie or anything else or a video or something, because it's just that far. There's so, so many details to it that all have different explanations for them that explain the overall meaning. Yeah. We see an uptick in mental health in games, especially in, in later years, but definitely nothing like Hellblade. Uh, Hellblade no. brings it to a focus, especially schizophrenia, which if it's ever brought up into games, it's always seen as like a curse. It's seen as a hindrance. Right. And not that they don't like portray it in a way that, that it's hurting you in this game. It's definitely it's not a great thing for Senua to be dealing with, but it's not it's not shaming her for what she has uh, no. for her afflictions. You definitely come into this as more of like a empathic way than um than you would seeing it in a movie or something because like you dealing with the frustrations of solving these puzzles you know makes you feel like oh wow this you know it kind of or the frustration of voices constantly going on in your head while you're trying to do things it's like you know i can only imagine yeah it's just it's everything in this game is just stellar portrayed really well so we get to this, we get this runestone, this, uh, or not the runestone, the, the rune on the floor in the light. And that allows us to go back into the present day and open up the gate. And this lets us go 
back up into the tower to do more puzzles. And then we find the runestone from there up at the top. For the most part, this area was just just puzzles, uh, just to make you think a little bit more. Yeah, the top part of the That's tower all I got was it. a little difficult because uh, there's a lot of running back and forth between pre and post destruction of the world. And yeah, a lot to, of backtracking. Yeah, a lot of backtracking. There's a lot of things that you need to set up in one world to get across in the other world. And it, I mean, it makes sense in the end, but it was, it felt like a lot of like filler to me. Yeah. This was not my favorite shard area uh, for the sword, but once we get up there, we solve those puzzles at the top. Uh, We get the shard and we go back to the hub again. I don't remember there being, I think there was a cutscene at the end of this one too, but I can't remember it being anything. Yeah, it was the story. It, it wasn't that much. Uh, once you get through the gates, well, once you get the shards, you grab the sword, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. So this was the third gate. There, there is one more after this, and this one was my favorite: the darkness gate. Darkness gate, or the darkness runestone to. To bring you into the final area for the oh. sword shard. Yeah. Uh, this is where you go into an area and you're just immediately blind. Senua can't see anything. And she's calling out to Dillian and he's trying to help her by guiding her through the light uh, or with his light, but also telling her to use her senses to feel around her to focus in in listen specifically to running water to things creaking to try and sense her way out of this cave yep and that so part was really a really cool. good area i like that yeah because uh you can make out some of the details on what there is around you like you could see like if you focused you could see uh you know like the running water or blades of grass and like little details in the world that um, you wouldn't see otherwise with no light. But I I think they did it really good there. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And you eventually get to this point where uh, we drop down a well, and then you're introduced to some monsters that are in the cave as well. This part was creepy as shit. Very creepy. You're still blind. You're walking through and you can just just hear the monsters growling. You can't really even see them. They're just another speck of gray in all this blackness. Yep. And you're just trying to avoid them as you're trying to make your way to Dillian's voice. So this this area was just done amazing. Uh, good good horror aspects here and really yeah. good change up of the pace of the game. Yeah, and and uh, this was the part. <laughs> well, did you? Is this the part where? those fire sconces come up no i believe that's later with venrir okay because once we get through the end we eventually see there's like monsters all around us and there's hanging corpses in the room and you're just trying to make your way through these monsters and eventually you get to delian's voice uh, and then you get transported back to the tree for the final time no yeah that that is what I'm thinking of. So like before you get to the the hanging bodies, 
you there's these fire sconces and you get to see like if you focus you get to see what these creatures look like and they're like these like amalgamations of like different body parts and oh they yeah they you didn't see them i don't think i got to that now oh well if you focus you can see them and they're like these uh yeah they're like these amalgamations of body parts and they have like couple of heads and they're like they have like a bunch of blisters on them and they're walking around like really creepy like they're disgusting oh, yeah i guess i'm glad i didn't do that because i didn't really use focus too much through there even though that was kind of the main point of it i was trying yeah. to use more of my uh my like audio senses just because the audio in this game is perfect oh, it's phenomenal. And, uh i was trying to use that to navigate around for the most part rather than focusing on things. So we're back to the tree. We head back up to the middle of the tree where we originally tried to pull the sword. Uh, and it's there this time. So we can pull a sword out and the darkness is talking in our head again. And it's threatening us. If we take the sword, we'll be doomed. Of course we ignore the darkness and we pull the sword out anyways. Always ignore the darkness. Darkness don't know <laughs> and- shit. Immediately, this is where we're transported to the next chapter of the game, the the Sea of uh, Corpses. This is a pretty short segment in the game where there's walls of hands all over on your left and right. Yeah. And you're just in a big pool of blood. And you're just trying to make your way straight down the middle without being touched by them. Oh, man. I was thinking that area. when I was running through that, that the hands would actually grab me and do it. So I was like, you know, you know how you do that thing where you got to test it out a little bit, right? Are these <laughs> hands actually going to grab me? But no, actually they're just there for show. If you actually try to move into the wall or whatever, it'll, there's like an invisible. Grab it. Oh they, yeah. They I, I actually did not test it out. I, uh, yeah. I just assumed that they would grab me. So I stayed down the middle. Yeah. I just wanted to see like what would happen. Like if there would be like some cool cutscene of like a death or whatever, I'm like, I got lives left. I'll do it. You know, like how they do, you know, the death cutscenes like they do in, um, tomb Raider. Dead space. Oh yeah. And dead space. Both, both of those, they have really good death animations. They're pretty brutal, but yeah, I just wanted to see what would happen. Yeah. But it, it doesn't for for a couple of the deaths. They're really good. Yeah, but really, there's only one death animation. I haven't really discovered any other ones. She kind of just falls over to her side, and then it fades to black really quickly. Uh, I think there's a couple in Fenrir's I got to, but... Really? Okay. I Yeah, I guess uh, I don't know. I, I've only seen yeah. one. So we um we kind of get through these these walls of arms. They're not too difficult. You just no. you're, you're just walking and wading in the blood. Yep. And you start Blah. to get to more open areas where you just see big giant corpses and giant arms all over in like an arena type of thing. Uh, and you're just wading through these pools of blood, and then you start to hear your mother scream on the very far side of this area. So you're trying to make your way to her, wading through these pools of blood, and enemies start to spawn. Uh, I found this area to be pretty difficult, 
it I was did a lot in this area. Difficult. Yeah. Because you would fight through waves and waves of enemies. And if you die, you went like yep. all the way back to the start of the confrontation. Exactly. And um, yeah, <clears throat> these combats, the, these combat sequences, they're pretty long. Yeah. There, there was so many times where I thought like, okay, that's gotta be the last of them. And then here they come <laughs> walking around the corner, coming to yep. get me. It's and like, why is there still battle music? <laughs> yeah. So luckily, I mean, you don't really have to, you don't really have to guess that that was the last one. Cause as soon as the last enemy is slain, like Senua puts her sword away and then, you know, you're done. Yep. So yeah, that was, that was a really good indicator. It was never, you couldn't draw your sword anytime you want. It was right. on her. As soon as you like, you know, when combat's about to start because she'll draw her blade, somebody will peer out of nothingness and start walking towards you. You know what? There is a few enemies. I think that's when they introduced the the double axed enemy. Yes, in this one. I believe this is around where they introduced the 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 big berserker guy. He's got two small hand axes. Yeah, takes a lot of hits. He's super he fast. He kicks you. He also Probably goes, the hardest enemy in the game. He goes ghost mode like uh, Val Raven. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and you have so, to focus on him to. Uh, to hit him and uh or it stuns him as well yeah focus found it difficult because i would i would time it so poorly where i would be using my focus on other enemies and then he would spawn and my focus had to recharge for a while so i'd just be dodging until it was back yeah there's no like uh indication on because like with these combat sequences you don't know if it's going to get harder or like this is it's going to get easier so it, it you just don't know so using your focus at the wrong time was a common mistake for me too yeah so we uh work our way through this just really long fight and we kind of start to walk over these big tendrils and stuff and just, everything's gross everything's bloody <laughs> you eventually reach our mother she's just one of these other super large corpses in this area i thought she was and like a st- Oh yeah, she was like the big, like probably yeah, she was the biggest like the, the big seen. head. Yeah. yeah, I think it was just the guilt, and I think they also mentioned it that Hella is messing with us and trying to make us like she's been digging through our mind the whole time. Yeah, and trying to also influence us. So she's trying to make us feel bad about our mother's death, thinking it's our fault. We're just fighting our way through this last battle, We're making our way to our our mother, who's that. The big thing, big corpse. Hella's trying to make us feel bad because she's going into our senses, into our mind, uh, trying to influence us and can't uh, let her just fuck with Don't us. Let her. So she's making us think that our mother's in hell right now, which is presumably where we were with all that blood. But we reach our mother down there, and then that's where we're transported back to the what do you call it? The ship graveyard area where there's just, just broken ships everywhere. Yep. And then there's a gate in that ship graveyard that I initially tried to open. I spent like five minutes on it and then I realized that it's a future thing and that's the gate we come back to now. Yeah. I, I saw that gate and I, 
had this little moment where I was looking at the gate and then I was looking at Dillian's uh, glow over there. I'm like, I want to try that gate, but I should probably <laughs> just keep following Dillian. So that's what I kept doing. Yeah, because uh, the game doesn't really give you multiple options often. So I, I thought there was something here, but it was just it's a lock gate that you come back to. Yeah, no, this game's very, very linear. Very. So this is actually the gate to Helheim. So we tried to cross the bridge previously to get into Helheim to face Hela. Uh, didn't make it. Uh, this is the official gate. As soon as we enter it, we're off into Helheim now, which is like the realm of hell. Yep. And where Hela is. And uh, so I think that's when you get through this, that's when um, the darkness becomes a threat. Or, like, you know, the actual darkness, like lack of light. Yep, yep, Fenrir's in here. Yeah. Darkness yeah, so as in, like, lack of light, so... Yeah, it, yeah, it not, not our uh, darkness is following us. Yeah, to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as soon as we're in, in Hell, or in Helheim, Fenrir consensus immediately. He's kind of like the Norse mythology version of like Cerberus, like the like the guardian dog of hell. Yep. There's many interpretations of this. They're like uh mostly he is revered as like some giant wolf. Just like he's like a giant like creature beast, four legged beast, and he's huge. But in this interpretation where everything is all scary, he's a lot more powerful than that. Yeah, he's he's almost a like an apparition of darkness that yeah. also has like a wolf form. So whenever you get caught in darkness, there's all these scary ass images that come up. <laughs> Honestly, it reminded me of uh do you know about analog horror? Uh, I do not. If anybody is curious about what I'm talking about, uh, you can go on YouTube and look up analog horror. And usually it's a bunch of like images and sounds that are really unsettling. And that's what that those images reminded me of. Creeped me the fuck out, honestly. <laughs> These gave me Gears of War vibes from the Krill when you're fighting uh, General Realm. Um, oh yeah, running through the darkness and the, the little bat things are attacking you, kind of like that, because you just you're sprinting from light source to light source. Yeah, uh, if you get caught in the dark, those images are flashing, and I died quite a few times here in the dark. And I did that was too. The, uh, the other death scene I was talking about that's different from your normal combat, because Senua starts to freak the fuck out, and yep. the darkness just overtakes her, and it's a it's a gruesome death. Yeah, it, it's it's a that, scary one. That is a death animation that honestly scares the shit out of me because like she's like rolling on the floor like with her head like Aah! it scares me. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're jumping from light source to light source here. <laughs> uh, we finally get down to the end of the hallway, uh, and there's like a like a gate there, and there's a torch that we can grab. Uh, we start to yep. see like our mother through the iron bars. And she's talking to us and pretty sure it's just an illusion. I don't think she's actually there. It most we're definitely was an illusion. In, we're thinking she's trapped in hell. So we want to want to get in there to get her out as well. 
Yep. And that's when runes appear on the door. And then we have to go find three runes back through all these corridors that we ran past. So there's okay. kind of like three other mini puzzles that you have to do to get through this door. Yeah, so, and the puzzles are you can... pretty interesting. Uh, they all kind of in- yeah. involve, uh, you know, uh, getting through from light source to light source. Uh, Fenrir is, is always a threat throughout these puzzles. Yep. But yeah, they're pretty interesting. I like them. Yeah, yeah. We have one. The first one that I did, you go down a long spiral staircase uh, and then immediately you're like at a sewer. Yep. And of course, you have to go under the water to get under a gate. So your torch goes out and then Fenrir chases oh, us. Man. Yeah, that was intense. <laughs> that was a worrying one because you're trying to slog through the water and you could just you can just hear the noises of him coming. I, know. And I was like, come on, spooky. go faster. <laughs> but luckily, like besides this water area or that, that first water jog to the first light source, almost every light source after that is very close together. Yeah, they're uh, they're not too too bad to get to. Yeah. And I think after this part, you pretty much uh, always have a torch on you. Uh, yep. So. Yep. And then uh, in that room, once you get past the the water, there is also fire sconces that you can light that'll light up the whole area so you can solve the puzzle in that room, which is nice. Tons of fire sconces. Yeah. And yeah, you, you get your rune down there and you go back up the, the staircase. The second rune I did was like across from that one. It's the one where... You, I lit two sconces as soon as I entered in the room and then the yep. gate closed and then all these enemies started spawning in there. Oh, and all you had yeah. was she, so she drops her torch to pull out her sword. So all you have is this little circle of light and all these enemies circling around you. Yeah. Um, so you're trying to fight while staying in the light. Was it that one? Or I thought the, the enemies also carried torches. No, I think, I think it was just the, the torch you had that you drop on the ground. Okay. It's all you have for the light source. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. But yeah, that one's just a fighting dungeon. As soon as you clear all the enemies, the gate opens back up and you can light the rest of the torches in the room to solve this rune puzzle. You head back out to the final one. You go up a spiral staircase instead of down to do this last one. Uh, I think that one was just straightforward. You just went up and got the rune as far as I'm aware, in that third room. I don't think there was anything specific about it. So you go back, you get the door open. Of course, as soon as you get the door open, you kind of sense this coming. Uh, your torch burns out immediately. Oh, yeah. And you just start sprinting. So you get to this bridge area, and Senua jumps for the bridge as Fenrir is behind her, or like the, the spirit of Fenrir. And the bridge starts to break and we fall down and we land on another like little outcove because uh, we're above like just a large chasm and there's light above us because there's a hole at the very top of this of this cave or mountain. Oh, are you talking about? OK, I know what you're talking about. There was something that happened in that last room. There was a little puzzle that you had to do. Oh, wait, is this the part? 
this is the part uh, right where the chasm where you have to uh figure out that bridge thing to get through the door was there a door no that's what? that's that's later oh, okay it's always later just <laughs> getting there all the memorable At this things point, later <laughs> At this point, after the bridge falls down, um, we're kind of like scrambling and stuff. And then we fall into the outcove. As all that's happening, Dillian's head falls off of her belt and it falls all oh, the way yeah. down the chasm. And I was like, well, that's a piece of mush all, at the bottom now. All hope <laughs> is lost at this point. I'm like, what do we do now? <laughs> it hits a big rock on the way down. Apparently, it doesn't damage it. Apparently but not. Like, yeah, you know, that like, head is mush. Still a head, you know. <laughs> yeah, that should be a pancake by the time it hits the bottom. Yep. So we're we're kind of safe. We get we get a torch again from that outcove, and we're kind of just uh, shimmying along the walls, trying to make our way down because we got to go get Dillian's head back, of course. Yeah. So we just. There's just a long segment of just walking and shimmying your way along walls and making your way further down into the chasm. Yep. Uh, eventually, was, we get to another. Sorry. It was uh, it was a little bit boring at this part. Uh, I know it's like, yeah, but you're trying to get down to the bottom or whatever. It's like <laughs> it's a lot of traversal stuff, but nothing about the traversal really made it interesting. You know, it'd be cool if they added like a little gameplay mechanic of like staying on the ledges or something. But it, yeah, another walking sim yeah. part of the game. For the most part, you have a torch through this whole area, so it's not really a problem with Fenrir or anything like that. Yeah, maybe maybe right. it's just to be a little break. Yeah, a little respite after that chase. Yeah, but eventually you come back up on another locked. Another gate, another rune to find. Another gate, another rune, another day. So we do some more puzzles, uh, proceed through the gate. I think this puzzle was one of the ones I died on the most. uh, Just because it's one of the few puzzles you can actually die in. Uh, Yeah. Because you have to walk through a little waterfall. Yeah. To go to the next light source. So your torch burns out right away. And you're like sprinting over there. (laughs) This is how I discovered that wonderful death animation. Because I kept trying to like you knock down the bridge and she like just very narrowly gets into a light source. Uh, I kept trying to go through that tunnel ahead of it. Oh, like work my way around. And she was crawling so slowly that I would die every time. No, no. you have to run, run back to the waterfall. And now the gates open on the, or the bridge is open on the other side for you to go. Yeah, this one, this one was a little bit of a brain teaser because I was sitting there staring at that, uh, you know, that unlit fire sconce up there. And I'm just like, how the hell do I get up there? Because I was looking at that (laughs) waterfall and I'm like, okay, so I can't bring fire through here. So, yeah, what you ended up having to do was go back to the fire sconce that was, you know, backtracking a little bit, going into that room where the fire sconce was putting down the bridge and then going back, running through the waterfall and then run across the bridge. And then you narrowly escape Fenrir. But yeah, yeah. that was, 
that was a bit of a brain teaser for me. That was that was probably the more confusing puzzles in this game. Yeah, that, that took me a couple couple tries, couple deaths. Yeah, eventually got that one, and then after you get this gate open, uh, you crawl through some more tunnels while hands are trying to get you again. You still get your torch, but there's water that we're walking through or that we're crawling through. And right at the end of the water, our torch goes out. But that's when we we uh, just get into the end of the room as our torch gets out. And you can see the light shining down from the top of the mountain. Because this is the very bottom of the chasm. And that's where Dillian's head is. So we yeah. pick up his head and we're just in this circle of light in the middle. And that's when Fenrir comes out to approach us into the light uh, in in his physical form. Yeah, and this is where we get into the boss fight, which is probably my favorite boss fight out of them all. They are really good. It was it was so good. And just the pacing of it was really nice. Once you figured out his uh attack patterns, he didn't really change up that much, but it was enough to where like after defeating the first two bosses you know exactly what to do whenever he switches up his phases so yep. it was i'm not like saying it was easy to figure out does not deter from the difficulty it was because it was still difficult but it was a lot of fun as well yeah it was i didn't find this one too difficult it was just really cool i like the techniques that fenrir had um after a phase he would go off into the darkness and all you hear is just noise all around you. And you have to like focus to where you think he's about to come from. And he just, just leaps at you and knocks you down. I, yeah. I never gauged those, right? He just knocked me down every time. Well, there but is still really a, cool. Uh, there's a little growling noise that he makes right before he jumps out at you. So as soon as I hear that growl, I'll just dodge in any direction. And usually that'll, <laughs> I'll dodge him. That worked for you. Yeah, that worked. Yeah, so this this was a really cool boss battle. And it was. Not only that, he starts to use like his power of like the darkness as we're going through. So like as the fight went on, those flashings that would appear when we're in the dark would start to come on our screen. Yep. And like I think it was during the third phase, you couldn't even see anything. I was just slashing wildly and dodging. Anything. The only time you'd like you'd see a glimpse of him right before he attacks. And yep. it was honestly really intense, but it was so much fun. I was I was loving that. I was just slashing in the air and I would like hear my sword connecting. Yeah. And and then you just see like a little flash of Fenrir and then you just try and roll away from whatever attack he's gonna do. And yep. It was spectacular it, boss battle. It was exactly it, it was so much fun and I am kind of upset that none of the other boss battles kind of are as good as this, but uh, it, yeah, I really enjoyed it for it being one of the last uh, boss battles. They definitely ended it on a good tone. It went all out. Yep. So he, after we defeat Fenrir, he seems to dissolve. He just goes into little dust speckles and we're kind of just standing there for a little bit admiring or, resting from the battle yeah and then fenrir grabs us out from the dark it's like a little quick cutscene. uh he just drags us into the dark and 
you kind of just hear screaming. I don't know if I missed a part of this cutscene, but you kind of just hear screaming and some sword slashing. And then Senya was in the light again. So I assumed she just killed him in there. Yeah. Or finished him off. I think she did. I think there was a point where uh, it was just like at the end of this where it comes back to the light. I think she was standing over it like a dead Fenrir. So, yeah, I might have missed that part, but. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a cutscene of her talking to Dillian's head now after Fenrir is finally dead. And we get to learn more backstory between her and Dillian. And then we get a cutscene or a longer cutscene that kind of involves a montage of us talking to the shadow or father as we make our way back up to the to the top of this chasm that we went down. I'm really glad they didn't make us backtrack all this. Yeah. That would have been an absolute that pain would they, that would they have been just montaged it. Yeah. So once we're back at the top, it gives us back control of Senua. And you make our way up a really large staircase. And then from there is where we reach that bridge that you were talking about earlier. Where you have to view it from the different points. There's like yes. three sections of the bridge that are gone. And you have to go view it from three different perspectives to put it back together. It's pretty cool. I found the third part of the bridge a little difficult to figure out i didn't realize you had to fix something else before it well it was kind of fix a gate it was a little uh consecutive on like how they wanted you to, to complete this bridge so you started you had to fix the first part of the bridge and then you kind of had to go around counterclockwise around the bridge to figure out like how you need what you need to do to complete the bridge. I thought it was a bit, I thought it was a bit intuitive on how to figure out this bridge. I don't know about you. I liked the first two portions, but like I said, I got stumped on the third one because you didn't just need to focus on that part of the bridge. You need to also rebuild a gate with your mind before you did that. Yeah. That, that kind of stumped me too. I didn't know about that gate until you know, running around three times to yeah, that one took that, me a bit but, of running around. Other than that, it was, we, it was pretty good. Yeah, and after we build this bridge, um, we get a similar series as when we crossed the bridge to Helheim before. We're starting to cross this towards Hella's domain, and every enemy we faced thus far starts to come into play again with the two or three new enemies that we faced all across the bridge. See so if like five different types of enemies all facing you. And I really liked this section of battle because I don't think there was a guardrail on this bridge. So I was no. just kicking people off. <laughs> I don't oh, know if you did I that at all, but that, that was really fun. That I didn't even I was like getting people that, close to really... the edge. I was kicking yeah. them and they were going right off. Nice. It was, it worked really well. So you didn't have to, hack and slash a lot yeah for me it was mainly just trying to uh keep them all because they start to spawn behind you also so like it was a lot of me just looking back and forth trying to figure out who i need to fight first or whatever usually it was the big resident evil guys yep. and then yeah, kind of go down from there charge, yeah. yeah you really need to prioritize 
uh, different enemies in this. Yeah, and I did find the targeting system to be a little lackluster at times. I I didn't re- even realize there was a targeting system until I think after Valraven. But you kind of just flip the the right stick to go between enemies, and it I don't know, it just didn't feel great all the time. No, because sometimes they'll be like right in front of each other, and because it'll adjust your camera to who you're looking at, right? So yep, yeah. you don't know exactly who you're locked onto. So there could be points where there's one enemy that's behind another one, and you could be locked on the one that's behind, and then yep. you'll sit there and start <laughs> slashing, like going right past the enemy. It's like pretending they're not there. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna... you'll, uh, you'll miss miss the target you were going for, especially exactly. when you start to fight a whole big group. You'll definitely like swing the wrong way. Yeah, but the targeting could have been better. I mean, at least give some sort of indicator on who you're locked onto. Yeah. yeah. So we get to the end of this big battle here. We get to large doors again, as is common in this game. And at the end of these large doors that we open, we see another bridge, of course, yeah. uh, with a large ball of light at the end. So as we're getting closer to this ball of light at the end, the voices start begging us to stop. They don't want us to continue down here. We kind of reach a mirror, like 100 feet or so from the ball of light. And that's when we kind of had a similar scene as that campfire one. Yeah, where we see ourselves in the mirror again, uh, and our mirror self is also begging us not to continue. And there's a this is a pretty good scene here. I like this one. Yeah, it's and really good. After this scene, we step through the mirror and continue towards the light. I I do remember the voices telling us to stop, and then this is the point where. Uh, Senua starts to talk back to the voices, telling them to shut up or telling them that, you know, just basically not listening to them anymore, which is, you know, very triumphant part. Yeah. She's overcoming her own, her own self, I guess. Yeah. So after we step through the mirror, we try to continue towards the, the, uh, the ball of light. And that's when we see our shadow self or like our mirror self next to us again and we're kind of everything kind of goes black around us and we're transported into like another cutscene type of thing where we see a big pyre like a like a funeral pyre uh in front of us with our mother strapped to it she's like being burned alive in front of us and then the shadow next to us is warning us that this was uh our mother's price for defying the gods and we see that the shadow was our father at this point because you see his face and it was the same as, um, as our father in previous cutscenes. Yeah. And, uh, this is, this is, um, basically where Senua like kind of disowns everything she believed about the gods and everything, because this is basically what her interpretation that, the darkness just wants to see her fall. Yeah, this is where she's like, she's really starting to overcome it. She's starting to ignore the voices. She doesn't believe the gods. She's starting to realize that they're lying to her. She thinks that Hela killed her mother 
she starts to realize that maybe it wasn't her own fault. She thinks the shadow's lying to us that because they're they're trying to keep telling us that it's our fault. This is what happens when you defy the gods. Uh, your mother deserved this. Saying it was all her fault. Yeah. Same as everything else is like throughout the reoccurring theme throughout this whole game is saying that it's all her fault. And uh, and you, like I think at this point she comes to the realization is like, well, what did I do to deserve all this? You know? Yeah. She's it, like, she's I think in her own logic, her. in her own logic, she realized that it's really not her fault. And, you know, she just like the darkness just wants to scare her into believing that everything is her fault. Yeah. It's these, these intrusive thoughts, these, these dark thoughts that tell you everything's your fault, that, um, they push guilt onto you, that sort of thing that, that, uh, they caused her to think that she was at fault for the death of her mother, for Dillian and everything. We kind of get transported back. And this is where we start to get into this huge. This is like the first area that looks like it's for a God because it's just these huge moving platforms or stuff going on all over the room. And we see Hella at the end and she's just, massive huge she looks like a big mannequin but like all cracked and broken and half of her face is gone very creepy looking yeah very creepy and just just massive yeah she's massive and this is the point where senua goes on this rampage you know she's just pissed off Yep, she has the god-killing sword. She's like, it's not my fault. It was Hela's yeah, fault. This, she's, this was the part I was so excited about. <laughs> yeah, she, she's, uh, she's saying that you can't kill me. And then she's like, well, I have a sword that could kill gods. And just sprinting at her. And like, <laughs> This is where yeah. a lot of enemies come at you. A lot. Yeah, this is probably the biggest combat section of the game. But it's also yeah. one of the easiest because... For narrative purposes, they cut down the amount of hits it takes to kill everything. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I think those those lower totem pole guys were only one hit kills. Yeah, at this point, so you're you're just kind of feeling super powerful in here. You're just knocking through everything. It's very it's very satisfying, and it's it's a lot more forgiving than other parts of the game because of that. Uh, whenever you take damage, you'll go down. And you'll be able to get up in like half a second. So yep. there's not really much breaking in your momentum through this. It's just a lot of enemies. Yeah, and you see like the the darkness that was in our arm the whole game start to spread through our body a lot more throughout this process as we're pushing through here. There's kind of rule of three. There's three platforms where you kill yep. a whole lot of enemies on one section, move to the next, okay. do the same. As you get to this... I believe it's the third platform right before Hela. You start to fight a lot of enemies and then you start to fight this, this black blob that forms into Surtur, uh, Valraven and Fenrir. Yeah. And there's like two of them and they kind of like all rotate in and out using their powers. And I really liked that part. That was, yeah, that was really cool. 
because you already know how to fight them. And the fact that they're just throwing two of them now, like, yeah, you're like, you're fighting Fenrir and Surtur at the same time. And you're just trying to hold your own. At first, I thought it was like going to be impossible. I mean, oh, man, it's going to be tough. (laughs) But actually, it wasn't that bad. No, it was like a like just a shadow formation. Like it wasn't fully formed, but you like seen the shape to know it was them. Yeah. But yeah, you, you fight through them and then you get to the very final platform where Hela is and she shrinks down to like human size. We, she kind of just stares at us as we're trying to approach her. And then just enemies are just coming out of everywhere. Yep. It gets to a point where you, you can't even kill them all. You're just, you're swinging wildly around you. Trying there's to so many survive that you get so swarmed and surrounded that like i was yep. freaking out i'm like how am i supposed to do all this i was doing <laughs> at, at one point i was doing more dodging than actual fighting and then i'm like okay i'm yeah. not getting anywhere so i did more fighting and then that you know bit me in the ass i yep. got my and ass kicked there's just way but, too many i don't think they expect you to be able to get out of here no they they reminded eventually me, knock you out. It reminded me of uh, that last mission in Halo Reach. Yeah, just just survive. It, yeah, it's like you think you have a chance, but you actually don't. No, you're, you're doomed. So eventually they knock you down and all the enemies kind of go away. And the darkness spreads through you entirely. Uh, like it goes through your face, through your head. Uh, you're pretty much just entirely like burnt almost. Yep. And we're kind of kneeling before Hela. We're crying. We're begging her for Dillian's soul. She's just staring. Just Yeah, she's just staring. Nothing. She, doesn't, she doesn't say a word this whole game. Um, she kind of just stares at us. And then she grabs Senua's sword that was on the ground near her. And she grabs Senua by the throat and plunges the blade through her as... Senua requested because she said she would give her life for Dillian's. Yep. And then we have this is a really long cutscene, but super good. Yeah. She's lying there. Uh, Senua's dying on the ground, and in her own pool of blood, she can see there in her reflection. She sees Dillian, and they're kind of just talking. They're saying their goodbyes and their parting philosophies and stuff, and all their quotes what i got of it out of it it was basically her acceptance like think of this whole game is like seven stages of grief and this is yeah. the last part where it's uh acceptance yeah that that might actually fit in there i uh didn't think about that well i mean cuz she wasn't able to bring him back anyways and that's what she realized right at that last last part right yeah. before uh, yep. Hela kills her or stabs her. She realized that there's no way to bring him back. And I think at that point that's uh, she, you know, came to the acceptance that he's actually gone and there's no bringing him back. Yeah. She realizes that maybe Hela wasn't responsible. Hela still doesn't say a word this whole time. Right. That, that Hela never actually had Dillian's soul that maybe it was just Druth putting thoughts in her head that, right, yeah. that she could go even get Dillian back. 
But after Senua lies there, and then we assume she's dead, uh, we kind of switch perspectives over to Hela, and she grabs Dillian's head that was on the ground there, and she brings it to this edge of the cliff that we were next to. And she drops it over the cliff. And as it falls, we kind of like pan watching the head. And you hear Senua say, goodbye, my love. And as it pans back up after falling, following Dillian's head, we see that it was actually Senua and not Hela. And Hela is dead on the ground behind us. Yeah. I assume it was just, just one last mental trick. Yeah. I guess think it was Senua that died. Classic, classic ninja theory. <laughs> no, uh, it was yeah. So finding out that it was all just in her head made you like made me question like what was real, you know? Yeah. What was were all those enemies I just faced real? Was hella real? Or any of the gods real? Yeah. Or any of the gods real? Like what? Like through this whole experience, like it made me wonder like what what was actually real. Yeah, and so Senua kind of breaks the fourth wall again, and she kind of looks directly at us, and she's kind of like beckoning us to to join her as she walks away from Hela's body. That there's kind of more story to this. Yeah, there's the kinda, there's the, the, sequel the, the, the sequel. Yeah, uh, I really like this song that rolls uh, credits roll right after this. This is a good song though. In yeah, the credits. Yeah, it's a good song. But yeah, that's that's the whole game. Rolls the credits after that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was definitely, definitely a good experience. Honestly, not my favorite game in terms of like how fun it was. But it was definitely uh, like a game that like I appreciated playing, as I've said before. Yeah, yeah as I, as I was playing this through the days. I didn't ever look forward to these puzzles. In fact, I dreaded a lot of them. Yeah, but me too. The, the story itself, like the story is just great. If I could have gotten like a walking simulator version of this game, right? maybe it wouldn't have been as good if we didn't have as much interaction, but I just loved the story. It was perfect. The story was great. It was a bit... It was a bit confusing at first, maybe because like I'm not that great of a listener when it comes to <laughs> like when I'm playing the game, like listening to how the story unfolds and stuff like that. You know, I don't know, but it's maybe I'm more of a dialogue. I pick up story from dialogue usually, I guess. So maybe that's where I had a lot of trouble picking up on the story. But. Nonetheless, you know, having it like explained to me the proper way made the story that much more interesting. And for anyone that wants to play this game, definitely try it out. Yeah, yeah. despite the puzzles and the gameplay being a little bit harsh and difficult to get into at first. Once you do get the hang of everything, it's not a bad game. There's some walking segments that are pretty long. But overall, the runestones kind of try to make up that gap to add some audio yeah. in between. The the 
lore stones they they add to the the understanding of Norse Norse mythology, but not really much of the story. Yeah, the story w- was very hard to grasp for me at first. Uh, I had, you know, it's like one of those things where I had to have it explained three times in order for me to get it. But yeah, yeah it's like watching uh, Shutter Island, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Shutter <laughs> Island. That that's, that's actually a good real. example. Uh, I don't think anybody would get that without doing a thorough review of it first or afterwards saying why, what happened, all that, you know. You have yeah, to have an open mind and you have to be thinking in a different, you have to understand more cryptic things, I guess. Yeah. And it's, I don't think that's even, I don't think you can pick it all up in the first playthrough unless you know no. exactly what you're looking for. But I don't know if I'd want to play through this a second time. Maybe just go through yeah. and collect all the lower stones. Right. But and it, I'm surprised that the gameplay does get a little long. I I, uh, I thought I collected all of them. There's like 17 of them, right? I uh, I thought it was near 20 something, but they do do a really good thing in this game, which more games with collectibles need to do, is they do chapter selects with showing how many oh. you got in each chapter, and then you can just that's... go back to each chapter individually to get what you missed. Yeah, that's golden. Yeah. More games should do that instead of having to replay the whole thing. Because honestly, playing through the game, the story segments, if I could just watch the cutscenes, I think that would be cool. But yeah, definitely not a game I would want to play again. But I think for the experience that it's worth having, I think it's worth a try but not really something replayability wise. Probably not. Yeah. I did have a couple other notes here that I want to mention. I did play on PC for most of the time. Still having Xbox issues. I played on medium, medium high graphics and I did notice some frame rate stuttering, but overall it was, it was manageable targeting system, confusing puzzles. And some of the mouth syncing was weird. I don't know if that was a mocap thing or I never or translation I never thing. noticed that. I always thought the just, the mouth syncing was uh, pretty on point for the most part. I, know, I just felt like uh, like the live action ones were good. I just thought some of the the ones with Senua didn't seem like they lined up great. But it could have been my audio out of sync or something. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I'm not sure. Other things I did really like, tiny details, like I really like Dillian's head on our hip. If you just watch it while you're running, it just bounces along as you're going. Yep. Yeah. I just, I really enjoy tiny details like that. There's like a little bell on it too that you can hear while you're walking around. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe that was yeah. something in her hair too. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that I noticed there was a little like bell or something clinking around while I was walking around. And then for someone like me, it was pretty hard of hearing. I was very appreciative of all the accessibility settings in this game. They had text size, uh, background color, font color, stuff that should be standard in every single game. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, just because it's such simple stuff just to make yeah. so many people's life better. But not only like audio stuff for me, but they just had like colorblind settings, uh, just different ways to play if you have different disabilities. Just just great stuff all around yeah. for the accessibility settings in this one. That's good. Uh, I never really really went through any options or anything for this game so because I played it all on Xbox. So I guess my experience on console is pretty good. Other than the lack of tutorials and frustrating puzzles. Yeah. It, it like yeah. Is, in terms of like being able to play the game without any like gameplay issues was not really a problem for me. And for those that want to go play this game, it is Microsoft owned. So it is an exclusive to Microsoft. So if you want to play oh, really? it, it's on PC and Xbox only. Um, as far as I I'm aware, it's not that. on PlayStation yet. But due to the fact that it's a first party game, uh, Microsoft owned, it is in Game Pass and should stay there indefinitely. So for those who want to play it and have a PC or Xbox, just get Game Pass. It's worth it for just pay a month of Game Pass to play this game. Oh, absolutely. Game Pass Along is... with everything else in Game Pass. Game Pass is great. But yeah. That's, I think that was that was Hellblade. That's Hellblade. If I had any plugs to uh, refer to you two, uh, I would. But I mean, I guess on a note, a game about mental health, BetterHelp.com. <laughs> if you experience anything that happens in this game, I don't know if BetterHelp would help, but medication maybe. I don't know. But they're not a sponsor, by the way. They are not a sponsor. They're not paying me to say that. But I do use BetterHelp, and I definitely would recommend that to anybody struggling with mental health issues. The therapists on there are yeah. great. And with that, you can also reach us at hazardousopinionspod at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. Please. Or opinionspod on Instagram. So far, we're just sticking with those two. Probably going to shoot up a Discord. But if you guys want to shoot up a shoot us a message, send us any requests, uh, anything you guys want to see us play, or we also do movies. And next week, I believe for the next episode, we are doing our first movie episode, which will be The Gray Man, which the is Gray on Man. If you wanna if you wanna watch ahead, so you can get some opinions from us after you watch it. That would be super awesome. excited. But yeah, that's that's yeah. all I have. Please, please send us uh, your feedback. What you liked, what you didn't like, questions you have about Hellblade. Send us your opinions about Hellblade. I would love, I would love to see those. Did you like the game? Did you think it was frustrating? Please drop us a line. Yeah, or if there's any comments towards uh our podcast how we can make this better or get better in touch with you guys just let us know absolutely all see ya see ya